John Maxwell says that your own leadership capabilities put a lid on the future success of your business. If you want to scale your team and grow your business, then you can't be the only one responsible for decision-making. But how do you break the cycle of making all of the decisions and finally start delegating? From the Ramsey Network, this is the Entree Leadership Podcast, where we help business leaders grow themselves, their teams, and their profits. I'm your host, George Camel, and today's episode is all about getting your team to make decisions without you which connects to our business driver of people. Our first guest today is Stacy Tushel. She's a best-selling author, speaker, and owner of multiple seven-figure businesses. She's also the creator of Foot Traffic Formula, where she helps small business owners get more customers in their door, more profit in their pockets, and more happiness in their homes. And she's going to talk about training your team to make decisions and create systems and processes to help you delegate. In our second conversation, I talk with EVP of Entree Leadership, Daniel Ramsey. And he talks about how to delegate responsibilities when a leader leaves the company. We'll also talk about how to not only fill that gap, but also create opportunities for growth for you and your team. Up first, we've got our conversation with Stacy Tushel. Stacy, welcome to the Entree Leadership Podcast. Thanks for having me, George. I'm super excited to be here. We're going to have a conversation about delegation, which mm-hmm. is something most leaders listening struggle with, yeah. and how to get your team to do things the way you want it done, how to let go. Mm-hmm. That can be a very difficult thing. And you've got tons of experience in this as you've run multiple businesses. So tell me, give me a story of a time you were leading your team at maybe one of the dance studios, yeah. and you found yourself making way too many of the decisions. Yeah. Oh, I have a really random but crazy story of I was taking time away. I had a friend who had a dance studio in Utah, and she just was giving back. I I said, I love your studio. I'd love to come learn from you. I was willing to pay her, and she's like, no, come hang out with us. So I came there with my sister, who is actually our, our general manager, and the two of us were there, and we were sitting down. She gave us the day to spend with her. And we're kind of phone on the side, texting back and forth with something, and she can see we're distracted. And she finally said, okay, okay what's going on? How can, how can I help you? And it was like, oh, no, 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 just the, the kids are tie-dyeing at the studio, and they forgot the rubber bands. And this is an emergency. This is an emergency. We are literally having, we flew to Utah from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. We have this um, incredible woman's attention for 24 hours. And we are texting about rubber bands and who can get them. And it was almost one of the biggest light bulb moments for me of what are you doing? Why do two people at this level need to be getting rubber bands when we already had employees, we had team members back at home that can do it? And it was funny when we were leaving the next morning, she's like, oh, I have a gift for you. I'm like, oh, a gift? Like, you've already given me so much. And at Office Max, they have that rubber ball, big ball of rubber bands. And she gave it to me and said, so you'll never have to worry about rubber bands ever again. And it was just, and I kept it. I kept it on my office desk, still have it today. And it's that reminder of, letting go, especially on the little decisions. Like that was such a silly thing to be worrying about. Wow. So every time someone walks in and sees your desk, they're like, what's up with the rubber band? And you get to tell the story yes. of delegation and how you took mm-hmm. too too much on. Yeah. And those little things, I mean, I've, every leader has had that rubber band moment who's oh, listening yeah. and they're going, I really shouldn't be dealing with this. I don't know why I am, but the team's relying on me and I need to make sure that I serve them. And you feel this the pressure to just do it all. How did you end up letting go? Well, that was definitely a game changer moment for me. I already thought I was delegating, 
But then there's always that next level you don't know exists. And for me, it was, you're right, just take care of it. We're, we're going to be busy today. We're working on the business. I trust you. And I think a lot of times you think you're delegating, but the person back at home in the office doing the things is thinking, oh, but I need her opinion. I need, I need to know what he would do in this situation. And we finally had to say, no, I trust you. You take care of it. Whatever needs to get done, you just do it. And we'll talk about it when we get back home. And now I can go to an, an amazing event like Master Series. I can be gone the whole week, not interrupted, and come back. And then they fill us in with anything important we need to discuss. But really, truly having time to be on a, on a vacation, right? Maybe be on a maternity leave, enjoying time with your new baby. Like things like that are so important. So I think that was the biggest thing is really passing the baton and saying, okay, you've got this. Yeah. And worst case, you know, this might come from this kind of savior complex yeah. of like, well, I'm the only one who can make these calls and they trust me. And best case, it may be a lack of trust with the team. And that points to some bigger systemic yeah. issues when you're going, I can't trust the team to choose the rubber bands and make this thing yeah. happen. So it's easy to get caught up in, in the cycle of making these decisions for your team. What's wrong with doing that as a leader? Yeah. Oh, man. I I am constantly, even at this level, 19 years in, still going, what's the next level of delegation? And I was at an event and I was speaking, but then we gave one of our team members 30 minutes to take the stage. And it was a, a small little workshop. It wasn't a stage where I would have jumped on stage. It was very easy for me to walk over and be right by her. And I could catch myself trying to jump into that conversation. And I realized I am showing her that I don't trust her by doing it or that I don't think she can handle it. So even though I did it a couple of times, I backed up and then I even acknowledged it and said, listen, that was me, not you. Because in her mind, she's probably thinking, I must not be doing a good enough job if Stacy keeps mm. coming back over, right? So I had to say to her, no, you're doing phenomenal. This is something I have to work on as a leader and I'm going to get better at it, but you're doing great. So I think being careful that you doing that isn't making them think, what am I doing wrong? Or yeah. even maybe being a little disrespectful, right? Not showing them the true respect they deserve. Yeah, as a team member, you feel like, well, I guess I'm incapable yeah. because they're micromanaging me and telling me I'm not doing a good enough job mm -hmm. because they're standing over my shoulder right. trying to make every decision for me so that I don't yeah. mess up. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you just have to let go and if, if they fail— yeah. It can be a teaching moment, and that's how you grow. But sitting there micromanaging every decision, not letting go, that's a recipe for disaster for sure. Absolutely. So how did you start to break the cycle as you started to delegate the decision-making yeah. to your team members? Well, I think when people start to delegate, they just go, okay, here you go. Try this. George, like, go for it. And then you don't know how to do it because you've never done it. And then there will inevitably be mistakes, which then makes you think, see, I was right. He doesn't know how to do it, right? Self-fulfilling prophecy. Oh, my goodness. We have to train. We have to put energy and effort into the person we want to pass that baton to. So if you don't feel that maybe you can trust them with the rubber bands or a bigger decision— then what can you do to put that time and energy into them, right? Really good onboarding. And then after your onboarding, consistently meeting, discussing, you know, having those once a week, weekly meetings with direct reports to say, how can I support you? Or I'd love to have you learn this skill. Let's start working on that together. And then I always tell people, 
it's really three phases. It's not just, hey, could you do this? It's watch me do this, right? Let me show you how. Then let's do it together. If you have any questions, you can stop me. Let me know. And then it's, why don't you try it? But I'll be here if you need something. That, that, those three stages, now that can take maybe months, maybe years, depending on how big the task is. But it's so worth it to give them that time and that energy. And then you go, oh my goodness, I'm here doing this right now. But back home, they're getting X, Y, Z done. And that's exciting. I do wonder if, you know, someone listening to this is going, hey, that sounds great. But they don't have the patience Mm. to wait months to train someone. So they go, I'll just do it myself. We don't have time for this. Or they... They don't know how to train because it's all in their head and they've never taken the time to put the process in place to make the training happen. And so a lot of the times it just points back to poor leadership, yeah. unfortunately. But in your head you go, well, they just, they're just incapable and I'm just, I've been doing it longer. And so I know Absolutely. how it's done. So I'll just keep doing it. And you keep being the lid on mm-hmm. your own business. And so you're only hurting yourself yeah. and your team. And so it's a very interesting predicament that you find yourself in when you struggle with with delegation. Well, so, and I always wonder how many people have I let go of that it was really not them, it was poor leadership. And if mm-hmm. I would have given them the time, they could have, I know it's it's what crazy if, when you think of that. Been. Mm-hmm. Man, yeah, and, and retaining good people, yeah. that's a huge struggle as well. And a lot of times you go, well, they just weren't the right fit and they couldn't figure it out. Instead of saying, pointing the finger back at yourself and going, I did not do a good job investing in my team, yeah. making them feel capable, making sure they knew what to do. Mm-hmm. Wow. Absolutely. So I want to talk about how to train your team to make decisions like you do, how to incept your brain into theirs. That's one of the biggest struggles. I mean, if you could bottle that up and sell mm-hmm. it, you'd be a billionaire. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, it's a difficult thing to do. Uh, to delegate that and make sure they do it the right way. And the right way is the way you want it done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just so, just so happens to be that way. So how did you begin to train, train your team to make decisions like you do? Mm. So this is where our company values really mean something and they matter in the business. A lot of times when people, and I've heard company values for years, and I would, I would look at somebody's and say, yeah, that, those look good. And I would put them on a nice little piece of paper, put them on the wall and say, those are our company values. And now our company values actually mean something. They are really important to us. And it's the way that I would like the business to be run. And I make sure that it's not just my value, but I find people who have the same values when they come into the business. So when we're looking at those values and we're hiring, we're looking at what are they displaying? Are they displaying integrity or do they show up late to the interview, right? And not take maybe ownership or accountability for what just happened. So we're looking at those values to say, okay, well, if we are in alignment with our values, they're going to make decisions very similar to you in that regard right there. That's, I think, the biggest step is knowing them and having them actually mean something. The next thing is, again, really spending the time to show them what does this look like. So if, you know, a lot of times things are on the computer, it's so easy to record a system you know, record it on Loom, record it on Zoom, have something there where they can go back and watch you do it, right? And have that start to be something where they can say, wait, I'm stuck. Okay, I'm just going to go watch that video, rewind and do it. Now, sometimes it's not on the computer. Okay, great. We'll have them be with you in that physical location and watch what you're doing and have them write out the notes in the system. We've got to get it out of your head and onto paper. Now, they're not going to keep that paper or have that video nonstop, but it starts to become a reference for here is how we do things. And if you have questions, go reference that piece of paper or go reference that video on this specific system. 
And over time, that can kind of become muscle memory. Yes. And one of the hardest things is the idea of kind of critically thinking the same way Mm -hmm. that you would. Yeah. Because sometimes there is a process that you can put into place, say, this is how to do the spreadsheet. Yes. But sometimes you're at a kind of a crossroads and you need to make a decision and filter it through a certain framework. Yeah. Is there a way that you've kind of transferred, here's how to think critically about the situation. Here's yeah. what to do if and when this happens. Yes. So this was another one of those points of my sister, who's the general manager, came to me and said, you're getting mad at me when I make a decision without you, but yet you don't want me to interrupt you because we have an evening business and a weekend business, but you don't want me to interrupt you at 5 p.m. So how can I run and lead the business if you're always going to be upset? And we came up with this system about systems, and we said, okay, if there is no system on this and you have to come up with it from scratch, yes, you're right. I don't want to be interrupted in the evenings or on the weekends unless it's an emergency. I am giving you full authority to make whatever decision you want. Then the next day when we meet, we're going to talk about the non-system and what you did. I will not judge it. I will thank you for handling it, right? And then we'll say, okay, what is the future system for this? Did we like the way you did it? Was there anything about it we could change? Because sometimes even she'll say, well, this is what I did in the moment. But now looking back, I probably would have done it this way. And we'll craft that system together. You're not going to have a system for everything. So again, you've got to be able to trust certain people on your team to say, okay, make this decision without me. Now, every level or layer of our team has different authority on what they're able to do. Different levels of refunds, different levels of um, crediting people or gifting people something, right? And they can always go to their next manager who's going to have a different level of authority. That makes sense. That's interesting. And there's a level of self-awareness and composure and patience that you need to have as a leader when you go, hey, do what you think is best and we'll talk about it the next Mm -hmm. day and I'm not going to judge it. I'm not going to tell you how bad of a job you did. I'm just going to go, here's the system that we should put in place based on that. Yeah. And working with my sister, and I know lots of your listeners work with family, it's very easy to be like, what were you thinking? I would never have done it this way, right? You resort back to 16-year-old fighting with the the sister. And, And that for her was really frustrating. And I'm so grateful she was able to say to my face, this is really bugging me, the way that you treat me after I've done something where I think I'm doing the best thing I can with your best interest, but no, it wasn't the perfect way that you want, like, again, the perfect way, my way, right? So, and again, I was freaking out about more rubber band situations where I'm like, no, it wasn't my way, but she got it done, and she did it in a way that gave a great customer experience, and it's okay. So the result was there. The process may have looked different than you would have done it, Mm -hmm. but at the end of the day, the customer was served, and all is well. Absolutely. And you need to just let go and go, yeah. okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's strong. So how did you know when this was working? What was the measuring stick where you went, oh, my gosh, this delegation thing, I'm yeah. training the team, and it's actually going well? Yeah. Hmm, how do I know when it was working? Well, you definitely know when it's not working by the constant texts and the constant emails and people kind of giving you the responsibility. You almost don't realize the moment it starts working because nothing's happening, right? You're not getting a text. Things are smooth. Yes. You're not getting all these emails. You're. It's all of a sudden one day you look back and go, oh, they're like doing things without me and it's, it is working and people are happy and we're still getting great reviews and, you know, nice compliments and all of that. So I think it definitely takes some time to all of a sudden notice because 
you're not as aware of what's not going on, going, you know, through those notifications and text messages. Yeah. And 90% of that is probably very exciting. As the leader, you're going, oh my gosh, yes, I'm not getting all the texts. Yeah. But 10% may be this like, oh my gosh, do they even need me? Do I even matter? Yeah. What what am I here for? Mm -hmm. Have you ever felt that? Yeah. So this is how my second business actually started, (laughs) was I walked into the dance school and I had delegated so much out that they didn't need me. I mean, I delegated everything. And all of a sudden, I walked in, had nothing to do that day, walked in, and there was a few key players, and they were in a meeting. And I could tell I was interrupting, and they were kind of trying to go, what do you need? Like, do you need anything? Because we're doing something here. And I— it was so exciting, but the excitement wasn't there for me as much as almost like a sadness of— wait, this is my business and why I think it took me a little bit to kind of grieve the moment of I did this and I did it on purpose, but now I was missing some sort of like fulfillment. I was missing, well, where do I fit in? So I decided, okay, I want to start to continue to educate myself. What is next for me? How can I continue to really step into my passion? And that's how foot traffic actually started was I wanted a place where I got to teach others and share because this is one of my passions. So it's exciting, but you want to make sure, like, we're a lot of us are workers. We like to work. We like to get in the business. You like to make a lot of the decisions. Yeah, right. So you got to make sure you find a place for yourself and you really decide, what do I want this to look like? That's hilarious. So yeah. you you said, well, they don't need me. I'm going to go start another business uh-huh. where I can feel yeah. needed. And I could have stayed in that business and said, you know what? No, I'm going to take this to three locations. I'm going to franchise it. I'm going to. But for me at that time, I kind of felt not complete because it's still growing, but I felt like this was what I was supposed to create. And now it was time for me to go and give back and share and teach people because it is sad when I go to a conference and I'm enjoying it and I look next to me and the woman is texting her people and then emailing and then she's running out in the hallway. I want to help that person who is, the business is her. It is him right there, just consumed by it. And that's, I think, where I realized my real passion of, I'm going to really share what I've learned over the years. So what was this kind of net result that you were feeling once you've you delegated, you got the team to make the yeah. decisions for you? How did that feel? I mean, definitely two sides. It felt incredible because it's still the feeling. I am still here with a business that is running right now. They're open. I am not even there in the state, right? And I won't even be there today at all. And it's running without me. And people always say, well, when will you retire? I don't see the need to retire when you have a business that can really truly run without your every need and every decision to be made. So it's a really exciting and empowering feeling. And I think a a sense of security, right? To know that if something were to happen to me, that business will continue to produce revenue for my family because the business doesn't need me. So my husband can still take it on and it will run without it, without me. So definitely a level of security and all of that. But then, yes, there's always, okay, but now what? What's the next challenge? What's the next? So you've got to be really careful that you're not constantly just starting because it can get really exciting to start the next business and the next thing and the next thing. But is it truly at a place where it can continue to run and run like a well-oiled machine? Yeah, it's, a, it's an incredible way to to know that you've leveled up in business. Yeah. 
when you don't need to be in it every day for yeah. it to be working. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Dave Ramsey has done this so well, and now he's kind of focusing on the new things and yeah. the broken things. And he loves doing that stuff versus the day-to-day, the maintenance mode. He's got an incredible leadership team where he doesn't have to be in every meeting and make yeah. every decision. I mean, it would crush him. I mean, with a th- over a 1,000 people and all the decisions that get made around here, you've got to learn to let go and mm-hmm. do it as early as possible if you want to get to that next stage in yeah. business. And I think your ego has to drop of my way isn't the only way, right? There are other incredible ideas. And sometimes you just got to let go and let somebody else say, hey, I've got an idea. Mm. So as part of this process of delegating, we talked about having systems and processes in place. We know that that's important when you begin to delegate and train. What were some of those systems and processes that you put in place that was really a game changer? I think the biggest thing is the decision-making right? Putting policies into place and and looking at where are the bottlenecks or what are some of the frustrations? What are things that are happening? So if somebody comes back and they're upset, if a teacher is late for a class to start, that would happen. You know, we are hiring kids right out of high school sometimes, right? We're hiring the 21-year-old. What happens when she's 10 minutes late to class? What will you do? What is the policy? We didn't have policies. We would just go, oh no, now what do we do? Who are we calling? Are we getting a sub? Is she coming? What's happening? Are we refunding them? Are we giving them 10 minutes extra? Then everybody else is delayed the rest rest of the day. So we had to look at what are the biggest frustrations? What are the most common things that are happening over and over again? And then how do we start to say, not in the heat of it, what do we do? But hey, let's talk about what happened yesterday. And what would be a good policy to put into place in the future? Now, I know the word policy sounds so negative, but it's really just what is the system that we would like to do to make sure that we're still giving a great customer experience even when we mess up? Yeah. You can wow people in mistakes, right? We talk about branding a lot on on this podcast, and a strong brand is consistent. And when you show up and they go, well, last time I was here, the process was this, and I got a refund. Now you're telling me you guys don't do refunds? So having that process in place not only helps your whole team make those decisions, but it does create that customer experience where they go, I know exactly how they're going to deal with this. They've been very upfront. They've communicated this well. And the customer goes, I trust them. I like them. I'll do business again. Yeah. And especially when you have multiple team members fulfilling, right, in that same department, you have to say, listen, I know you thought you could stick around for an extra five minutes, but then they're going to expect it from the next person and the next person. So we've got to be on the same page. We've got, and that's where you can get certain people involved and say, help us make this decision together. What would feel really good for you? And then let's come up with a unified way of doing it. And then let's make sure everyone is on the same page. Yeah. So As you delegated the day-to-day decisions, you started training the team, you had the systems and processes in place. What did that allow you to focus your time on instead? The things you should have been doing all along, right? Um, There are big things to be doing in the business. Rubber bands is not one, right? Marketing, looking at, like you said, what is the brand? What are, do we need to be changing our company values? Did I put some fluffy things on the wall and they mean nothing to the business? Should I take some time and be the visionary today and think about what's actually important, right? So I think being able to look at the big picture, where are we going? Becoming a better leader, that's the exciting part is not just how do I grow myself? How do I grow the people that I'm working with right now. You start to build these amazing relationships with them. And one of the coolest things we get to do is give back and help them become the best version of themselves. 
So I think that's one of the things where there are bigger things you need to be doing than those little things that you don't have to have your hands in. Yeah. And instead of a a once a year strategy and vision meeting, this is something you can be thinking about every day. Every day. And rise above the business and really help to figure out what are the systemic things that I need to be working on Mm -hmm. that can help us get to that next level instead of dealing with the rubber band situations. I mean, imagine if every week, every Friday, you had something on your calendar where you just said, what didn't work last week? How could I fix that? What could we do different next time? Or what was the last upset complaint we had? What could we do to make sure that that never happens again? How could I reach back out to that person and fix it? I mean, like I said before, you can wow people in mistakes, right? Mistakes are when when things are good, it's really easy for everybody to love you, right? When things go wrong, this is where you your true colors show. And even going back to say, how do we fix what happened last time? How do we go back and make her go, wow, that is really amazing that they just did that. Yeah, that's incredible. And it, it really does change things as the, as the leader, as the business owner, when you can focus on the things that really matter yeah. instead of being in that day-to-day. So as these leaders, they try to delegate, they try to raise new leaders, put the systems and processes in place. This is a lot of work yeah. while trying to run the business and do all the things that they have to do and be with their family and, and, and. So what encouragement and advice would you give to all of us as we start to train and put those systems in place? This is not an overnight process. This will take you, I don't even say it because <laughs> I don't want to scare people either. This is an ongoing long-term process. It, you never say all the systems are done, They're good to go. By the time you're done putting systems in place, there will be a system that is broken or you will break the system because the business has grown, right? Or maybe you have new levels of leadership in place and now that doesn't even make sense. So systems is not a project. It is an ongoing thing, just like marketing. Imagine saying, well, when am I going to be done marketing? Never. You're never done marketing. You're never done training, leading, putting systems in a place. So I would highly recommend because I'm I'm busy. I get it. I know people are so busy here. I would say, look at your calendar. Look at your weekly, what you're doing and say, okay, every Friday for a half day, I'm going to spend time starting to put systems into place and to get my leaders on board to help me doing this, right? And every Friday, if you could just do that every single week, imagine what that's going to look like by the end of the year, Right. So I would say just find a little chunk of time and start to consistently do this. And pretty soon you will have a very different looking business. Yeah. You've got to make it a, a part of your your day to day where you're going, I'm always training people. I'm always meeting with leaders and helping raise new leaders up. Have you found that as you raise new leaders up, they can then, they delegate and yeah. you delegate and it starts to have this domino effect? Absolutely. Because as I am working on myself and trying to become a better leader, I'm teaching the people that are directly reporting to me. And when I'm teaching them, now they're going back to their that level and saying, hey, listen, I want to work with you on this or I want to help you with that, right? So there's absolutely a domino effect. But if you don't start that, it will not trickle its way down. So you've got to be the person that starts it. Mm. Be the one to start. You mm-hmm. are the lid. And once you can delegate that, it, it opens things up in an yeah. incredible way. 
Well, I'm just I'm in, so impressed with what you've been able to build with these seven figure businesses, the way you've been able to delegate. I feel like there's an ease about you, like there's a weight off of your shoulders just in talking with you that I feel. I mean, you're yeah. you're a high power business owner, and you're here in Nashville hanging out with us with not a care in the world because you trust your team. Yeah, George, thank you so much. That means so much to me. And you're right. I'm not even thinking about the businesses. Obviously, we're talking about them, so I'm thinking about them when I'm speaking about them, but I'm not worried about them. I'm not thinking, what are they doing right now? What email's coming in? What I don't have to worry about that. That's a blessing yeah, for sure. Definitely. Well, Stacy, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Love the way you're practicing what you're preaching and the way you've been able to delegate to your team. Thank you so much. Big thanks to Stacy for stopping by the Entree Leadership Studio and having a great conversation. As she talked about, if you want your business to grow, you've got to get really good at delegation. But how do you delegate when a leader leaves your company and you have a gap to fill? And how do you deal with the potential loss of morale, revenue, and productivity? We'll have a conversation about that right after this. Here's a math refresher. There are only 24 hours in a day, so you and your team need to streamline time-consuming tasks to focus on the activities that make money. Smart businesses are realizing that to reduce headaches as they scale, they need NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform. With NetSuite, you can reduce IT costs because it's cloud-based. You can cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one source of truth. It's a big deal. And you improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, saving time and cutting manual tasks and errors. So join the more than 37,000 smart companies like Ramsey Solutions that have done the math and are boosting their efficiency with NetSuite. And right now you can download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to drive the right behaviors for your business absolutely free at netsuite.com slash Ramsey. That's netsuite.com slash Ramsey to get your own KPI checklist. This episode is brought to you by Trainual. Even when you're great at running the day-to-day, a lot of leaders struggle to delegate. But delegation is a critical leadership skill, and empowering your team by building that skill just takes having the right system in place. Well, Trainual is that system, and it's a game-changer. Trainual is an easy-to-use app that helps document and organize everything about your company in one place. Clear outlines for every role and responsibility, step-by-step training for all your SOPs and employee handbook content, an org chart and directory. You can build accountability tests. Employees can even use Trainual's powerful search to answer their own questions. Companies using Trainual are cutting training time and related costs by up to 75%. Get started with over 300 templates and their world-class support. It's time to get your entire team playing from the same playbook. Visit trainual.com slash entree today for a demo and get 15% off your first year with code entree15. That's 15% off at T-R-A-I-N-U-A-L dot com slash entree with code E-N-T-R-E-1-5. All right, our second conversation, I talk with Daniel Ramsey. He's the executive vice president of Entree Leadership, and he'll share the best way to communicate to your team when a leader leaves and show you how to move forward with confidence. Here's our conversation. 
Daniel, good to have you back on the podcast. Man, so good to be here. Thank you, George. We are in this wild new year, and uh, it turns out this is kind of a year anniversary of you leading the Entree leadership team. That's right. It's been over a year now, which is wild to think about. Yeah. We just had a conversation with the team this morning, actually, talking about all the stuff that's happened last year as we look forward to this year. And so, yeah, I've been reflecting a lot recently, and it's been, honestly, it might be one of the best years of my life. I had our first son this year, my, me and my wife. I mentioned that a few times on the podcast before, he I is believe. Just precious. But yeah, I mean, between that and being a part of this team, I've hired a ton of people. We've lost a few people. You know, I think last year was pretty crazy with the great resignation, and, you know, we weren't exempt from that either. Yeah. Well, I want to jump into that side of things and talk about how to delegate responsibilities Mm -hmm. when a leader leaves the company. And this is something, unfortunately, that you've had some experience with in different leadership roles here at Ramsey. And it's just – it's part of leadership. Mm -hmm. It's part of, you know, running a company. There's going to be people that come and there's going to be people that go. And so as you found yourself in those situations, how do you communicate that in the best way to the team? Because that can Mm -hmm. be a difficult thing. Mm Yeah, yeah. We're all going to go through it. it. This is a natural part of being a leader. And so being prepared for it is is incredibly important. And so we just have a simple process here at Ramsey that we like to follow when it comes to communication because the team finding out is so important and so sensitive because of the relationships that, that team members have with their leaders. And so the first thing that we like to, to do is sit down and plan out the communication We don't let it happen organically. We don't want it to be a water cooler type conversation. We as the leader take charge of the communication plan. And so the first thing you do is you list out who needs to know in order. And that order should be who is closest to the leader and who is furthest away. So you should start communication with the most, you know, with the people who need to know first. And so that may be the people that are direct peers. It's typically direct peers with someone that leaves. If they're a leader, it's talking to the leadership team about them leaving and and having them in the room and talking through that uh, as a group. Having them in the room, if it's appropriate, depends on how they left. You know, the next step would be the team that they lead. So getting those people together and talking to them and then the whole team. And so I often, in the, in the middle of that as well, just encourage that leader to connect with the people they're close to because the last thing you want to happen is someone that they're close to finding out in a large group format meeting and it's a surprise to them. You want to honor the relationships of the person leaving by communicating in order of who they were close to, who they worked most with. And, you know, when you're communicating it's best to just be honest and open. The more you try to to hide something or to skirt around it or make it sound better than it is, people read through that. And be authentic, be straight up. Now, if if the team member have has left for a bad reason, maybe there's a moral failure, there's some extent you can share the team, but you really want to honor the team member leaving. So you never want to dishonor them by telling the dirty secrets or the, the you know, their person. Airing pers- out their laundry. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And so... One really important thing to do is no matter how they're leaving, you as their leader should honor them no matter what. And so you can always find ways to honor them, but it is not appropriate for you to say good riddance or for you to say things that take shots at them because really what matters most is is that you're caring for the person who's leaving. And secondly, it sends a message to the team. If you are saying negative things about them after they've left, it says a clear message to the team that, that if you leave team member that you're going to be treated this way too. And so you have to be consistent and you just have to honor everyone you work with. Yeah. As part of the fallout with someone leaving, there can be a loss of morale, revenue, Mm -hmm. productivity. How do you keep from losing those things? How do you kind of protect those? Man, well, for me personally, I'll probably take that route. It's hard to really get the team 
to work on their morale except just to talk about it and to have an open door policy. But for me personally, I'll kind of walk you through how I deal with that. You know, it's been it's been hard at different times in my career, in my life, but I've been through this many times and, and all leaders have. And perspective is really what helps you get through it. Perspective. So if there's people often say like, you know, in loss, you can become calloused, you know, you can become hard of heart and not, you know, not really like owning the change or internalizing the pain, or you can become bitter and jaded towards the person leaving. And really like you can't let either of those things happen. You have to rise above those things and you have to see this change as an opportunity. This is an opportunity for you to grow. It's an opportunity for you to step above. It's an opportunity for your team. And so as much as you need to acknowledge the pain of the change, you have to embrace the good things of the change and embrace the future of what it has in store. And so for me, man, I always think back to a story I had when I first became a leader. I took my first leadership role, gosh, six or so years ago. And in this, I had a right-hand guy. His name was Robbie and he was awesome. We were really close friends and we loved, I loved working with Robbie. He was so smart and so good at his job and I relied on him so much. And we worked together for about six months and then he came in and, and talked about this opportunity he had at a different company and, and he ended up moving and, and taking that role and it was a really good thing for him and his family. And it left me in a, in a little bit of a bind, right? Like he did a great job at handing stuff off, but he carried so much water. It was overwhelming for me to think about how am I going to do what he did? How am I going to move forward without him? We've all probably been there as leaders. And for me, you know, I went through that mourning process, but on the other side of it, I am so, I was so thankful that God, this was part of God's plan of Robbie taking this opportunity that was better for him and his family, and also in many ways better for for me and my career growth and our company. It forced me to grow in ways that I never thought I would grow or I would never push myself had this change not happened. And so I had to step up in new ways. And I also had the ability to hire people under me and to delegate those responsibilities and raise those leaders up in new ways. And so whenever I go through a big leadership change, I always know that it's going to be painful for a season, but if we can really get above this situation, we're going to be better for it in the long run. Yeah, it's interesting to think about as you look back in hindsight and go, I wonder if we would have been here if that hadn't happened, Mm -hmm. if that leader stayed Mm -hmm. because of kind of the force change that needs to happen. People Mm -hmm. need to step up. People are forced to grow. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you need that to get to where you want to go. So talk Mm -hmm. to me about what that process looks like. You have this gap in front of you with this leader leaving, and now you've got to delegate and you've got to go, do I have someone internally that can step up? Mm -hmm. Do I hand this off to multiple people? Is there one person? Do we need to hire from the outside? Mm -hmm. How do you think through that? Yeah, so here at Entree Leadership, we talk a lot about key results areas, a KRA. So having a KRA for your team members. So hopefully you have that in place. If you don't, a KRA really outlines what someone is responsible for owning. And so if you don't have that, you need to actually make a list of that. You need to sit down and say, hey, all right, this key person's leaving. What areas of responsibility were they carrying that I need to account for? And so you list that out, and then you take it point by point. Rarely ever do you hand all of that stuff off to a single person, or rarely ever do you take it on all yourself. But you look at that list, and there's three things you can do with the items on that list. You can take it on yourself. So you add that responsibility to your plate. You can delegate it to someone else on your team, or you can make the decision to stop doing that thing altogether. 
That's typically the hardest thing, but sometimes it's necessary. And sometimes saying no is a not now. It's saying, we're not going to do this right now. We'll pick it up when we get the staff or when we grow to a place where we can handle that again. But those are the three things. It's really taking it on yourself, delegating it to others, or saying not now and putting it off to the side. So what does that look like with the team? Do you ever found that there's this kind of competitive nature where the team says, whoa, whoa, why did Daniel give that person that role or those duties instead of me? I've been really wanting this leadership opportunity. Mm -hmm. Are there people in the organization that have been wanting this opportunity Mm -hmm. and they see it as as their chance to step up? Mm -hmm. From what I've experienced, there's, there's always a next up mentality, or at least the teams I've been a part of. When somebody does leave, people do you know, they're sad for that person leaving, they're sad for that relationship, but they are excited for the opportunity it gives them. And so you're going to have people stepping up. You're going to have people asking for that responsibility. What I typically do is I don't make any quick decisions on that. For the things that I, I have the margin to not make a quick decision, I try to take a week and talk to different people on the team about the KRA, the key result areas that we talked about earlier. And I talk, say, hey, of these things, does anything stand out to you? Are you passionate about any of these things? And naturally, people are going to like let like let them speak into it. Don't just assign them stuff, but let them speak into it. So I put feelers out there with different team members that I have in mind. I also often have team members come to me who want to take on more, who I know as a leader, it would drown them. They're already barely keeping their head above water. And one more thing might be good for their short-term career. It would be a bad thing overall for them as a person in this season. And so yeah, I've had that, all of that happen this year where I've gotten to sit down with people. And some people I didn't know if they had the ability to do it. And so I kind of had to slow roll that. I gave them a little bit of projects, watched them prove themselves before I gave them fully the responsibility that they have now. Yeah, that's something that I've, I've seen you just be so great at is being aware of who's on the team, what mm. are their skills, what can they bring to this, who can take on this role to where it doesn't drown them. And that's something that I think a lot of leaders maybe don't have the mm. the bandwidth for. It's not something they're looking out for. How can a leader grow in that area where they're just connected to the team and they understand that piece? Man, it's all about, gosh, we talked about this on, a, on another podcast. It's all about just being really aware of your team, really knowing them and being able to scan the room and just know them. When you're in meetings, being able to watch them closely and see like, hey, how, what is their capacity? How much do they have to be able to take on additional things? Are they drowning? Are they stressed? How can I, as a leader, help them manage their stress better so I can increase their future capacity? We always have to be investing and developing our team because naturally, if your team's not growing, gosh, like you're failing as a leader. You have to be developing and growing your team. And part of that is knowing them and seeing what, what ways you need to develop them. And, you know, there's always several team members that I have to lean into and help them teach them the tools to manage their stress so that I can increase their future capacity. Yeah. While there are a lot of downsides to someone leaving, there's so many good things that can come out of this with this kind of natural stretching that it does to the team. Mm -hmm. And if you're a leader listening to this, you've either experienced this or you're going to experience this. Mm -hmm. So how would you encourage that leader who may be going to the situation going, all right, how do I stop this from becoming a fire? And how can I be confident in navigating the situation when it happens? Yeah. You know, I would say it's perspective, like I mentioned earlier. You have to have the perspective of, hey, short-term pain is going to create long-term opportunity for you, your business, and your team. And so don't allow that pain to cause you to panic and make rash decisions, but have long-term perspective. And so when change comes, embrace it. Don't panic. 
you need to feel the feelings and, and embrace the mourning process that you have to go through. But you also need to see that this isn't doom and gloom. This isn't the end of your company because a key person leaves. It's the beginning of a new chapter. And so you can't let the fear of losing people stop you from investing into them. You have to always develop into them. And really, you have to have an open hand. Very few people are going to retire from your company. Most are going to change jobs multiple times, especially if you're hiring younger people. And so you have to have an open hand knowing that, hey, I'm going to develop and pour myself into someone else and make them a better version of themselves. And one day they're probably going to leave and go to a different company. And also, man, if you're doing that constantly, hopefully the world kind of does you a favor and uh, you bring in team members who have had great leadership, who have been poured into, who now you get to take on. And so it all kind of what comes around goes around yeah. uh, in that way. So you have to have an open hand. Are there any kind of tools that they can put in their tool belt outside of that? Let's say they don't have time to, you know, make this level of investment. Or is there something that they can get plugged into that can go, hey, I can develop the team now and they can help me make these decisions. They can help take the load. Sure. Well, I'll say two things. First is prayer. Prayer is the biggest tool I have in my tool belt for navigating situations like this and, you know, bringing in the right people. I really do feel like God this year has blessed us with incredible talent. We've hired 28 people onto the Entree team. Wow. So that's been incredible. But a more tactical tool that we can give you that Entree Leadership can provide our audience is Entree Leadership Elite. It's our membership that we help walk alongside business owners with their issues. And we're actually developing courses right now, new video courses to teach different topics. And we're doing one on delegation right now. And so that should release soon, shortly. We're really excited about that. But we're pumping out these courses and we're going to deep dive much more specific than we've had the chance to today on how to delegate and how to adjust with change as you lead your business. Man, that's awesome. Well, Mm -hmm. Daniel, I love your perspective, your wisdom, your discernment, all of the stuff that you bring uh, not only to the Entree Leadership Team, but to Ramsey Solutions as a whole and, of course, Mm -hmm. to our listeners today. So thanks so much for being on the podcast. Thanks, George. Appreciate you. Always great having Daniel Ramsey on the Entree Leadership Podcast. Listen, if you find yourself in the place where you need to delegate responsibilities so that you can focus on the business goals, you need a clear path to get there. And our team has put together a free resource for you called the Entree Leader's Guide to Delegation. In it, we've got 10 basics of delegation, some questions you need to be asking, and a checklist to put it all into action. To get this free resource, just click the link in the show notes. Hope you enjoyed today's episode of the show. If you did, leave us a review and subscribe so you don't miss the next one. And we want to hear what you think of the show, what you like, what you don't like, and what we could do better. Give us your feedback by using the link in the show notes to schedule a call with Tim, our producer. If you want to keep up with us on social media, you can follow us at Entree Leadership. This episode was produced by Tim Hull, edited by Jacob Harrison and Bob Borquez, and mixed and mastered by Will Rudder. I'm your host, George Camel, and on behalf of the entire Entree Leadership team, thanks for listening. Until next time, keep learning and keep leading. If you enjoy this podcast, you should check out other great podcasts from the Ramsey Network, like The Ken Coleman Show. Are you doing what you were born to do? I'm Ken Coleman, host of The Ken Coleman Show, where I give you practical advice to help you discover your purpose and then map out a plan to get you there. From accounting to advertising, from plumbing to production, you were created to fill a unique role, and the world needs what you have to offer. 
Join me on The Ken Coleman Show wherever you listen to podcasts.